Hey guys, I'm Chrissy. And I'm Tyler. And welcome to Climate, the podcast that gives you the view into the crisis we're all facing. Woo! <laughs> Today we're going to talk about soil nutrients, why they're important, where they're at now, and how we might save them. started do you know what soil is versus dirt i know that soil is better than dirt yeah yeah like when i'm when i'm going to like plant some plants i know i want soil and i don't want dirt no clue what the difference is okay okay so the difference between the two is that soil is basically like your prime growing material it has all of the nutrients and the bacteria and the fungi that you need in order to promote healthy plant growth Dirt, oh, on the okay. other hand, is lacking in all of those things. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Because right. I've heard a lot of talk about nitrogen, mm-hmm. phosphorus, potassium. Yeah, you know, exactly. All of those like really big kind of chemical compounds that like, I, I know potassium's in bananas. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's good for the soil. <laughs> yeah, so those three nutrients that you said, actually, nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, are going to be the three main nutrients that we see in soil. So those are going to be like our macronutrients, per se, that are necessary for healthy soil function and healthy plant function. So when you say macronutrients, mm-hmm. do you just mean like the one that's like most prevalent? Yeah, there's loads and loads of different nutrients that are in the soil. I mean, lots of them anywhere (laughs) from like magnesium to manganese to boron all of these different things but the ones that we really want to focus on today are going to be those three because they're the most important Um, are are they the ones that are most commonly in fertilizers as well yeah yeah so there's there's literally like an npk nitrogen phosphorus potassium fertilizer Mm -hmm. that's used because they're so necessary okay Um, which we'll talk about a little bit later but for now we're going to kind of focus on what those nutrients do so to start nitrogen is important for the green color in plants. Um, And if you don't know, that green color comes from chlorophyll. So nitrogen is one of the main ingredients in chlorophyll. So do you know why the green color in plants is so important? Photosynthesis. Exactly. That's what helps to absorb the light. That's why it happens. Okay. So that is why nitrogen is so important. Phosphorus, on the other hand, is important for root and fruit development. So it's really big in like... Like, are you talking like bell peppers and like tomatoes and like growing those kinds of like fruity plants? I mean, it's, yeah, any fruity plant, but it's also just important for anything that has a root. Um, okay. Okay. Because... So it's not strictly roots or strictly fruits. Right. Right. It's just. It's roots and fruits. Exactly. <laughs> Root and a fruit. (laughs) And then potassium is really important for disease resistance. um, And then it also improves fruit quality. So with a lot of these things, it's not just one singular thing that it helps or hinders. It's kind of just like it has multiple functions, but it's overall very important for proper plant growth. Okay. And then, you know, like I mentioned, variety of other nutrients that do a lot of things for soil. So then we can kind of look at why healthy soil is important in the first place. You might know that soil actually captures carbon. It's um, I've heard the term carbon sink before. Right. So it, it captures a lot of the atmospheric carbon, which is actually really important for maintaining a healthy climate. So mm-hmm. if we have more carbon in our atmosphere right now, which is leading to things like increased temperature and stuff like that. The soil, when it's healthy, can help us with that, which is why it's so important that we kind of 
get back to a healthy and balanced soil in order to help us in the things that we're lacking a little bit. Cool. In addition, healthy soil also helps with water filtration um, and keeps pollution out of groundwater because of all of those nutrients. It kind of helps to keep everything clean. Because the roots help to like filter out some of the bad stuff because the plant needs some of the bad stuff, but we don't need the bad stuff. Right, yeah. And also dirt is a lot less compact than soil is. And so when you have dirt, water will just kind of run right through that. Okay, is that where like mudslides and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of leads us into erosion Mm -hmm. so when you have dirt uh, it's very eroded and it can cause a lot of things like mudslides or dust storms so actually when you have like the dust bowl yeah when you have more eroded earth your air quality goes down Mm -hmm. because of all of the particles in the air well and i've been hearing a lot of stuff about how florida and some of the other coastal states Mm -hmm. have been losing their land because they don't have mangroves and other trees that are meant to keep Exactly. You know, with their roots, they keep it all kind of compact mm-hmm. yep. and in. It helps um, good soil, like mangroves and stuff like that. It helps mm-hmm. to keep those kind of ecosystems alive. And thus, it kind of helps with different storms and things like that. It's mm-hmm. actually, it's it's really cool. <laughs> you never would have thought that soil would help us with that. Right? Yeah. Mangroves, one top 10 favorite trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then soil also provides a solid foundation for plants. And soil is an ecosystem as a whole. So remember how we said with soil, it, it contains nutrients and fungi and bacteria. Mm-hmm. That's that's a whole ecosystem. So right. When, well, so are, are the bacteria that you're talking about, are those like microbes? Yes, exactly. They're okay. microbes um, and they help with the nutrient cycle. They help to cycle nutrients um, and they also help so that plants can process the nutrients. So okay. they're, they're pretty much vital for nutrients to even be there in the first place and like in a way so that then like the plants can actually like digest them i guess yeah like. exactly <laughs> if plants could digest <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so then um we can kind of talk about what different farming systems that we have adopted um, and how those affect the soil so like there's this big system called tilling oh which, yes yeah some yeah. would say is the modern <laughs> symbol of agriculture so what kind of things what do you feel about tilling well i feel like that's where we went wrong yeah <laughs> like <laughs> Tilling is a very, it's a very short term problem solving Mm -hmm. because like, you know, once the roots only grow down so far. Mm -hmm. And so what tilling is meant to do is it's supposed to grab all the soil that's underneath the dirt Mm -hmm. and like bring it up and kind of mix it and get all of that kind of aired out, get all the nutrients. But again, you can only do that so much before it's all dirt. Right. And that's why we're having problems with like topsoil erosion Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, another problem with the tilling is that, first of all, you have to have a completely barren field, you know? And so when you when you have that barren field, first of all, it's not pulling any carbon out. When you dig up that soil, you dig up all of those old roots, that's when carbon is actually escaping. Right. So um, that huge carbon capture that soil is, is kind of just nulled by the right. effects of it, If anything, it makes things worse. Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing that NASA thing? We can probably try and link it to our Yeah, absolutely. We can put podcast. that in the show notes. So it's like a satellite mm-hmm. image map of the world. Yeah. And during the winter time, there's like a decent amount of carbon. Mm-hmm. And then during tilling season, it just spikes. Yeah. And right. then, you know, during the summer, it cools down again. And, you know, it's all capturing everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the amount of carbon that is in the air when we are actively tilling right. is really it's it's detrimental to our systems. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I kind of want to go back to something that you said about tilling and soil erosion. So it sounds like over cultivation of an area 
using tilling creates a huge loss in soil nutrients. Most definitely. Right, okay. Yeah, because like, I mean, like you said earlier with the erosion, once it's just dirt, it all just kind of washes away. Okay. So is there a way that we kind of created to combat the way that tilling was affecting our soil? So back in the Middle Ages, which I think is when this first came about, correct me if I'm wrong. So tilling and the three field system were both kind of interconnected. They both kind of came about at the same time. Okay. I think it was tilling first and then the three field system was meant to like kind of combat right, that. Exactly. Because again, like I said, you can only till for so long before it's all just dirt and mm-hmm. there's no more soil. And um, like an example of the three field system for you guys, if you don't know, would be in medieval Europe, um, you would have three fields. The first one you would plant a cereal crop and on the second one you would plant a legume crop and then the third you would leave kind of barren. So those cereal crops take nitrogen out of the soil. They eat up a lot of nitrogen. When you then plant a legume crop, it actually puts nitrogen into the soil. So kind of helping to maintain that healthy balance. And then that third plot that you leave barren, a bunch of weeds will grow and stuff like that. So you'll use that area for grazing. Um, and weeds those... and grass and yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then once the cows poop, that poop kind of creates a home for those microbes exactly. that you need in the soil. Exactly. So it's a very almost natural balance of nutrients. It's not quite natural because it's not the natural earth doing it. Right, it's, it's kind of like poodles <laughs> came from wolves. Yeah, you know? right. It's... <laughs> There's, there's some kind of connection, but it's hard to see. <laughs> so why did we kind of go away from the three field system? Really, it was just we had, we had more people. Okay. So we had to find a way to feed more people, and we needed all three fields available for food. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just too time-consuming. It was too expensive to keep three fields going when you could just grow, like, one giant field of corn. Okay. Um, And that's what brought us about to monocropping. Okay. So you're saying as the world population increased, the demand on food also increased. So we had to kind of slowly pivot our food production to focus on growing one singular crop at one singular time on one field. Monocropping comes from the fact that with more people, we need more food. Okay. It's a very simple cause and effect. Right, and there's an economic advantage to having only one plot of field because as we industrialized and got more mechanical in terms of farming, we also had a lot more machinery involved. And that machinery was oftentimes very expensive um, and still is very expensive. And it's also very specialized. Yes. So the machinery that you see for corn is not going to be the same machinery that you'll use for, say, like beets or something like that. Um, so because that's so expensive and specialized, a lot of farmers are kind of unable to to be more diverse. They're mm-hmm. unable to, to do what's called polycropping or polycultivating. Right, um, because a lot is... of farms have like hundreds of acres, right. and so they just need one big-ass machine mm-hmm. to just drive hundreds of acres instead of, you know, like, I mean, if you're, if you're going to diversify, you almost need a smaller farm with more people. Because mm-hmm. people are not as specialized as machines. People can pick (laughs) avocados and asparagus. One machine can only pick one. But having more people and less machines is not necessarily economically smart. You know, you have to pay the people, but you have to... It costs more money. Right. And then there's also the the simple fact that um, a lot of these farmers know that they can grow and sell these plants. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a farmer... Cash crops. Right. You're going to have a string of people that you know to sell, say, wheat, but you might not know the type of people that you need to sell soybeans. (laughs) 
So um, these monocrops are also oftentimes high-yield crops. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? So high-yield, you know, we've selectively bred it so that then it will produce more. Um, in, in, so it produces more in a smaller, right. um, like, acreage Exactly, kind of thing? yeah. Okay. And those high-yield crops are more than the soil can naturally handle. So they deplete the soil of nutrients a lot faster than a slower-growing or a less-yielding crop would. And it also prevents biodiversity because there are so many crops packed into such a small place. Um, nothing else can really survive. Mm-hmm. So, so all of those nutrients and all of those bacteria are kind of sucked up by the singular plant, which has led to a dependency on fertilizers. Right. Well, I want to go back just a little bit. Okay. Um, when you say that like it sucks up nutrients, mm-hmm. every plant needs very specific nutrients. Mm-hmm. A tomato is not going to need the same as a mangle wurzel mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's it's really the the lack of diversity means that that one nutrient that that specific plant needs mm-hmm. is just getting sucked up and there's nothing right. left. So we can kind of think back to the three field system then in a way that the cereal crops took up all of the nitrogen, but the legumes brought it back in. Right. Yeah. That's why diversity is important. Right. If you have diversity, you don't have to rely on Mm -hmm. fertilizer. Which is kind of what monocropping has led to. It's led to a dependency on fertilizers. And more often than not, at least currently, these fertilizers and pesticides are chemically or synthetically created. In the past, fertilizers came from natural and organic forms. Things like compost or manure really Mm -hmm. helped kind of cycle back nutrients. Right, kind of like the first people of America where they would plant a fish Mm -hmm. along with their corn and soy. And these organic forms um, were kind of swapped out for chemical and synthesized forms because... They, um, the latter, the chemical forms are absorbed a lot faster, and in many cases, they're actually formulated for specific crops. Okay. That actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I was thinking that maybe it was cheaper, but working things in a lab doesn't sound cheaper. But right. if it's like specified, yeah, that makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. It's kind of like the machines, people. Uh-huh. They're coming for you. <laughs> and honestly, it, it might be cheaper to use um, chemical formulated fertilizers at this point because they're so widely used. Mm-hmm. The demand has led to lowered prices. And so these, at first glance, these fertilizers and pesticides that are synthetically created might kind of seem like a good thing. They help you bring exactly the same nutrients that you need back into the soil and they're absorbed quickly and they're, they allow for high yield crops to be high yield crops and mm-hmm. to grow and to produce. But when you look a little deeper, you kind of look at the fact that there is a really huge dependence on these synthesized products because, like we said, the monocropping strips the soil of the nutrients, so we kind of have to constantly be pumping these things back into the soil. Well, and I think an important point to make is that the soil is no longer soil. It's Mm -hmm. all dirt. We're just pumping some kind of, like, spray onto it, Mm -hmm. and then that is getting washed away because it's in the dirt. It's not in the soil. It's in the dirt, and so it's getting washed away. It's getting washed into our water system. So you're saying, like, that the fertilizers help to mimic what, like, a healthy soil would look like? Right. Okay. But it mimics it, but it doesn't give that healthy soil because there's no fungus, because Mm -hmm. there's no bacteria it's all just kind of like 
you know, you're just kind of spraying it on. The lack of bacteria and fungus is because of products like NPK fertilizers. So that stands for nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and those make the soil become more acidic. So they increase the acidity, lower the pH, and that does not create a conducive environment for bacteria and fungus to live in. And remember how we said earlier that fungus and bacteria are important for cycling the nutrients and making mm -hmm. sure that plants can process and absorb nutrients. So when, once we lack those, we really kind of rely on creating this synthetic environment for mm -hmm. plants to thrive. And they're not really thriving. And then I also think that it's really important to note that you said that they get washed away. Right. Um, because here we're seeing a lot of, of these chemicals being washed into water systems and becoming runoff and going into groundwater and even as far as into the ocean, which right. is causing things like red tide and dead zones. Well, and the important thing to remember is that all of these things, you know, I don't know if your parents, you know, they would like dump a fertilizer into a bucket and fill it with water. <laughs> it's all water soluble. Anywhere that you find water, you find these chemicals. Mm -hmm. And so all of these systems that are being poisoned and having dead zones and like algae blooms, it's all because it's a part of the water system mm -hmm. now. And uh, it never used to be because it wasn't getting washed away. Because it was natural and the soil wanted to hold on to it. Yeah, the dirt's just like, bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're also seeing on land in the, I guess, dirt, we're seeing a, a high imbalance of nutrients. Mm -hmm. So like I said, these chemical synthetic fertilizers and pesticides are being specifically formulated. So certain things are being put inside of them to help certain plants. But there are loads of different nutrients in the soil. It's not just the three main ones that we discussed, but there's a lot of different ones. And so when you only focus in on a few singular nutrients, your soil is going to be lacking a lot of them. And so we're seeing this imbalance not only in, in the soil that we're using, but also in our foods. So a lot of foods have lower compositions of different nutrients in them just because the soil is lacking in them, which is actually really dangerous when it comes to having a, um, a well-balanced diet because not only does the soil need these nutrients, but we also need these nutrients. That's why we take multivitamins. We, we're kind of forced to take multivitamins instead of just eating a healthy diet now because because those nutrients aren't in there anymore, which is kind of a bummer. I mean, the part that I'm most excited about, how how do we fix this? So this isn't all down in the dumps kind of sadness, you know? There are things that people are currently doing, that farms are currently practicing, that are kind of reversing a lot of the problems that we have kind of gotten ourselves into. So to start with, there's something called regenerative agriculture. Love it. Yes, it's fantastic. So regenerative agriculture focuses on practices that look specifically on the health of the ecosystem and soil as a whole, rather than solely focusing on yields. So so like diversifying. Exactly. Okay. That is one of the main things that regenerative agriculture focuses on. They also make sure to keep soil covered, maximize crop diversity, which is what you're talking about. They also focus on crop rotation. They reduce tillage and they use things like compost and rotational grazing to help bring back these ecosystems and keep them healthy. Yeah, I heard something. It was on one of the other podcasts that I listened to. They were talking about the fact that these people who are diversifying, instead of having one giant harvest mm -hmm. at the end of the season, every plant has a different time to harvest. Right. And so they were, you know, they were able to harvest multiple times and have a steady income instead of relying on one thing of crops that like if it gets hit by a tornado or hail right. or bugs, mm -hmm. you know, then 
those people are screwed. Exactly. But the people who are like, oh, my tomatoes are ripe now, and, you know, if those get screwy next week, I got mangle wurzel. Right, right. So, so there are a lot of benefits to doing this. And there's also the fact that once you keep that soil healthy, we can help to reverse some of the damage that climate change has caused because healthy soil takes in more carbon. Yeah, huge. It is huge. What other solutions are there? Is is regenerative agriculture the only one or is there something else? Uh, not even close. <laughs> I mean, humans will be humans, you know? Yeah, we are always figuring stuff out. There are all kinds of things. And really, I mean, we can go over it more later on in our podcast Absolutely. series. But biochar, mm -hmm. huge. It's biological charcoal. It's just wood that's been burned. And then it has so many different holes and spaces for the microbes to go into mm. and make homes in. And it's more like stable, more sturdy. Okay. Um, and so it helps them to replenish what has been lost. Right. And it so, makes the soil healthier. So a biochar is basically just something that you could kind of sprinkle on your dirt to help increase mm -hmm. the, exactly. the microbiota in there. Okay, that's really cool. And like you said, polyculture huge. Okay. Being able to grow different things because the cereal crop and the and the legumes, they complement each mm -hmm. other. There are a lot of plants out there that complement each other. And then just another thing, going back to the three-field system, if you plant clover, clover oh. is incredible. Yeah, really? Like it it is great at bringing nutrients back in. It's something that cattle can graze on. Mm. It's all of this great stuff and people are just like, "Screw you, clover. We don't want you here." Well, that's cool. Not unless you're know. a four leaf. We don't like three leaves here. We only want lucky leaves. Yep. So another another thing that we can talk about the polyculture and diverse farms is an example of the three sisters. If you don't know what the three sisters are, they are corn, squash, and beans, and they help each other survive through a variety of different ways. Through complements. So what happens is the corn provides a stalk for the beans to grow on. And then the beans, like we talked about earlier, pump nitrogen back into the soil. And then finally, the squash actually has kind of prickly leaves. And that provides basically a defense against predators like pests and mm -hmm. stuff like that. The beans are a natural fertilizer and the squash is a natural pesticide. And the corn is just like, I'm here to stand tall and happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like me. <laughs> but they work really well together. Um, and these aren't the only plants that do this. So if you're ever interested, just kind of look it up and look up complementary plants and you'll learn about loads of different things. It's really, really a gem. Another thing that we have here on our list is agroforestry. Do you oh, want to talk a little so bit about cool. that? So it incorporates the forest <laughs> into agriculture. Okay. Agroforestry. Right. Very cool. <laughs> Pretty much it helps to diversify because like birds can nest in corn, mm -hmm. but I don't know of a lot of birds that nest in corn. You know, if you have this forest, if you have these trees and bushes along with all of your other things, it makes it so that then all of the other animals and fungus among us <laughs> that are, are all around can live there and prosper along with you, you know, producing your stuff. Right. So it basically supports the idea of having like an integrated ecosystem. Right. With your farm. Yes. That's really cool. Okay. So these ideas, these solutions might kind of seem super far away from what you yourself can achieve, right? Yeah. You're if not... you're sitting on your couch right now, agroforestry, long way. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. not necessarily going around trying to start a farm unless you are. That's really cool. Good on you. 
Yes. And please hit us up because we'd love to come visit. Absolutely. That would be a, that would be a dream. But if you're kind of wanting some ideas and things that you can do at home, we have a bunch of things on our list for you. So to start with, if you have a house with a yard and a lawn, there are several different things that you can actually do to help. Plant soil. clover. Yeah, plant clover <laughs> to start with. But you can also avoid chemical fertilizers and pesticides. So things like Roundup and Raid. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> don't Whole other podcast. <laughs> you would not want to spray those on your yard because those are just really poisonous for a lot of the microbes and bacteria that exist. Well, and I don't know if you ever remember as a kid with somebody spraying down your yard, mm -hmm. but literally we had to pick our dog up and take him to the rocks. He's a small dog, a little toy poodle. Yeah, perfect for a big guy like me. But we would have to pick him up and bring him to the rocks because if he were to eat the grass, you know how dogs do, mm -hmm. he would end up dying. Why are we putting this near us? Yeah. Like, because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different natural ones that you can use. So just take a hit on Google and find that out. Another thing that you can also do with your lawn is to plant native. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're renting, this probably isn't the most conducive with your life. But if you own a house, definitely look into planting a native native lawn because it's actually really cool. You're basically going to create a tiny little ecosystem in your yard. Um, and there are plaques and signs that you can get. I think you can even get like certified by the city of having a natural ecosystem. Yeah. Most definitely. It's really cool. And then in terms of just buying your food, go to your local farmer's market. Buy local. A lot of these farms are practicing natural and organic forms of polyculture and growing things. They're not going to be your guys doing monoculture. Yeah, and these are like small family farms. Exactly. So you're basically supporting a small business on the other side. And then also at a lot of different farmer's markets, you might find people who are implementing practices like hydroponics. Oh, love it. Yeah. Love it. So what is the main positive from hydroponics? Hydroponics, it's not water intensive. Right. Even though it's grown in water. So, so the basics of hydroponics is that you plant the plants and the roots grow into the water where all of their nutrients are and pretty much just makes the plants grow big instead of having to grow in soil. Right. So basically it's kind of like let the soil be soil, leave that to its natural state. And then somewhere else we can kind of grow our plants. Right. The best part about hydroponics is that even though it's grown in water, it only requires 5% of the water that is required to grow anything else in soil wow. because that's not getting washed away. It is a closed system. Right. So it's And so that water it. stays in Cool. There. Awesome. And that also means that there's no water runoff either. Right. Exactly. Fantastic. And you don't have to use pesticides because normally it's indoors. Any kind of fertilizer is in that water and it's not washing away. Well. It's the future, people. It's the future. <laughs> that or the machines. Which are you going to choose? <laughs> okay. Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is the basics of soil nutrients today for you guys. If you want a quick recap, um, soil has loads of different essential nutrients running from minerals like nitrogen and phosphorus to things like fungi and bacteria. Those things are vital for plant growth and function. They also help capture carbon, keep our water clean, improve air quality, provide a solid foundation for plants. But practices like tilling and monocropping and heavy use of chemical fertilizers and pesticides are kind of bringing those systems down. They're poisoning them and our soil nutrients are getting lost in the whole system. But there are loads of different things like regenerative agriculture, polycultures, hydroponics, <laughs> hydroponics <laughs> that we can implement in order to fix our system. So 
Hopefully next time you look at the dirt and you're like, I hope you're soil one day. <laughs> Pick it up, give it a little kiss. You glow, girl. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you next time on Climate. And we hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. do 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 do